You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church, and while you're there, Definitely download our free mobile app. There's an awesome online community to be a part of. There is a free digital Bible that you can use to follow along and uh, all of our teachings. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Definitely don't want you to miss anything as we continue through our day-to-day studies through the Gospel of Matthew. Hope you are all doing great today. For those of you who are watching in real time, I appreciate all the reaching out uh, in regards to sharing well wishes that I feel better. I had to take yesterday. Still a little bit under the weather today, as you could probably hear uh, in my voice, but uh, I am glad to be with you. Yesterday, I last night, as a matter of fact, I got to spend some time with a very good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Mike Miano of Blue Point Bible Church, and we had a very uh, heartfelt conversation, about 90 minutes, around something that he's very, very passionate about, and that is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, Pastor Mike spent a good bit of time in Palestine, and, uh, you know, I and watching him on social media kind of share his heart. Uh, and uh, I see even some of our fellow brothers and sisters of the faith giving him uh, a hard time. And I said, you know what, let's, we talked and we decided to get together and it was really an awesome, awesome conversation. So that's going to air uh, this Monday night. I, I do think it's a perspective that you're going to uh, love to hear. And, and we, as you know, Christians, need to really consider how we handle some of this. You know, uh, there's a lot of emotion of emotion that's involved. And uh, the question is, how do we reflect Christ in, um, in all situations, right? So today, we are closing out Matthew chapter 18 with probably one of the most challenging uh, pieces of Scripture that we've encountered thus far. And we're going to talk about the parable of the unmerciful servant today. And I'm almost glad I had to take a day yesterday to recoup and feel a little bit better uh, because I I really wanted to chew on this because it was challenging to me as well. And uh, I'm going to keep chewing on it, to be honest with you. And I would love to hear from you as to what you think. But if you remember in our last study, Matthew chapter 18, right, Peter goes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother, pretty much? And he says seven times, which was pretty generous considering the rabbis taught only to forgive three times, right? There was a misinterpretation of the first and second, first and second chapter of the book of Amos, where God says that he will forgive Israel's enemies, you know, three times. So I'll forgive, I'll forgive, and I'll forgive. And their thought process was, well, you can't forgive more than God. Uh, What we see unveiled in the New Covenant is that God forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives, right? Uh, So he tells us to do the same. So he tells Peter, no, not just seven times, but 70 times seven, 490 times. So 
really he gives him a number that is really immeasurable uh, unless you're sitting there counting. And we learn, obviously, through the New Testament as well, that we're not supposed to be keeping record of wrongs. That's not true love. So Jesus says, no, you forgive 70 times 7. So in other words, forgive until just you forget, (laughs) just keep going. Now, he shifts in this conversation now and goes to a parable. And this is what we know as the parable of the unmerciful servant. So I'm going to read through it, and then I want to break it down. Now, we know the nature of God is forgiveness, is reconciliation, is is love, right? God is love. But we see here a uh, a really interesting picture painted, and let's just get in and read it. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion, and he released him and forgave the debt. So maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll break this down into three different parts here. Right, so we have a parable, and a parable is what? A story that tells an underlying meaning. Right, and often it uses imperfect circumstances, right? Because we're imperfect, people are imperfect, the world is imperfect, to try to portray what kingdom principles, right? We just got out of one as well. Jesus was talking about uh, how how he leaves the ninety nine to go find the one sheep that is lost and celebrates when that sheep is found. Now, that paints a picture of a, of a shepherd, a human shepherd, going in and leaving 99 and going to find one, right? We know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, if God is, you know, the shepherd of us all, um, it's not like the 99 are left, you know, alone, God wouldn't do that. But we see the picture of it, it that that God cares deeply for the individual, right? That's what we can draw from that. And in this case, we see that there is a um there is a king, uh, and there is a servant, and the servant owes ten thousand talents. Before that, the servant the king is settling accounts. He's taking a look at everything and making sure that the servants are on the up and up and to see if there's anything that is owed. And it turns out that this one servant in the parable owes ten thousand talents. Now you say, well what what is that ten thousand talents? Sounds like a lot. Well it is. It is equivalent to twenty, anywhere from twenty million to one billion dollars, right? So, obviously, the picture that's being painted here is that the debt is impossible to repay. The debt is impossible to repay, and the first inkling of the king, according to the parable, is to sell the whole family off to repay the debt especially during the time of Rome, uh, there was uh, almost the majority of the population was in some form of servitude to other people. But 
what we see here is not only was the man going to be have to repay, but his entire family. And if you go back to Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, when you talk about the curse of the law, it was uh, stated that basically the sins of the father get passed down from generation to generation, right? So we can look at this as a symbolization of what is really the old covenant is about, right? That a debt (laughs) carries from generation to generation to generation. Now, we know that Jesus breaks that curse. You may be born predisposed to something, but you are not predestined to that thing. Jesus can heal you of anything, right? You do not carry the sins of your father. Now, many of us will take the generational challenges uh, going forward. We never get healing. We never get deliverance. And what happens, we pass that down. And sometimes we even make excuses, right? We say, well, uh, my grandfather, you know, was a drunk. My dad was a drunk. I'm a drunk. You know, my my uh, grandfather was a, uh, uh, had a bad temper. My father had a bad temper. I have a bad temper. It's like we almost a- a- accept this. You understand that you don't have to accept these type of things being passed down to you, that you can that you can cut it off right where you are. I hope that helps somebody here. But <clears throat> the king doesn't do this, right? Because what happens in the parable is we see that the servant falls to the ground, prostrates himself, and he says, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. Now, the this probably made the disciples chuckle because there's no way that this servant could repay this debt. There's no way. And th- that doesn't really matter to the king because what prevails to the king is that he has compassion, he has mercy, and he releases him from the debt and completely forgives him of the debt. So for all intents and purposes, the servant in this parable is in bondage. And the king, who can do whatever he wants, chooses mercy, chooses compassion. Now, the book of James talks about how the mercy triumphs over judgment, right? And it goes something to the tune of judgment is harsh to those with no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. And in Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus quoting the prophet Hosea when he talks about the nature of God, that God desires mercy even over our personal sacrifice. So the king forgives a debt so large that the servant could never repay it and then sends him off to go live his life, a new a new life, completely forgiven. And that is a blessing. And now the servant has a choice. The, the servant can go now and live out that li- freedom or the servant can go back into bondage. And we see here how the servant actually goes back into bondage. Let's continue reading. It says, But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him and said, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me. I will repay you. Sounds familiar. But he was unwilling. 
and he went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. So the king forgives the debt of this guy, and then choosing instead of choosing to go out and pass on that reconciliation, to live like, I, I mean, the choice here is to is to pass the reconciliation on, to use the example, to remember the debt that he was forgiven, or to go on like nothing ever happened, and that's what he does. He goes on like nothing ever happened. And another servant owes him a hundred denarii. Now, this isn't a small amount either. This is probably about four months worth of wages. Okay, you'd make about a denarii a day. Okay, but he's unwilling to to forgive. Now, notice his debt that he's not willing to forgive. The debt is about six hundred thousand times smaller, and it's actually a debt that is manageable. It's one that can be paid back. It's one that can be forgiven, but he chooses not to. Then summoning him, right, because the king hears about this and the king's not happy about it for obvious reasons. His master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgive you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed to him, which we know is not possible. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. And I think that last line, to me, was the one that I was chewing on, if I could just be completely transparent, the one that I was really chewing on. Because what I know of the nature of God, based upon everything else that I read in Scripture, you know, to me... Is, is contrary to a king. One, if I go back, the king that wants to punish the, that his first inclination is to punish the entire generation. But secondly, the one that says, if you don't, now I will what? Hand you over. And I think that term hand you over is important. The king hands over the servant to the jailer. See, the servant's unwillingness to acknowledge the magnitude of the mercy that was shown to him now puts him back into bondage. And I hope that you catch that. The king doesn't inflict the punishment. Essentially, he does by allowing this person, because what he has done, to be now handed over right back into bondage. And it's not that the king's unmerciful. The king showed incredible mercy, far more mercy than the person ever did. He was full of mercy and compassion. But what we see here, and what we can draw from this in relation to our own unforgiveness, is that a life where we show unforgiveness is also one that we incur personal loss. And we put ourselves right back into bondage. Because it tells us in Luke that give what given it'll be given unto you but by, by the same measure that you give the same measure will be given back to you and we incur personal loss because when we do not show grace we in this world do not receive grace 
And I believe that the king here handing over the servant is really allowing this servant to succumb to his own same measure in which he is willing to dole out. And if we receive in the same measure in which we give, I would have to imagine again that not showing grace means that we are really showing grace ourselves. And in that regard, we don't necessarily need God to punish us per se. The world itself, the natural law, the cause and effect that we live in is punishing on its own. See, when we don't allow the supernatural to flow through us, what happens is is we get the natural in return. Go out and be nasty to people today. Guess what? You're going to be getting nasty back. Don't forgive other people. Guess what? People are not going to have the grace with you. And you're going to find yourself in a life of loss and a life of bondage. Because if you think about what, what does unforgiveness do? You walk around, I walk around harboring this bitterness, separating ourselves from relationships that could be fruitful, you know, just getting eaten from the inside out, losses, again, of of relationships, and ultimately what unforgiveness leads to. It leads to personal sickness in a lot of ways. It leads to loss, loss of time. There's so much that goes toward us when we walk around in the burden of unforgiveness. And I believe the overwhelming message in this parable is the acknowledgement of the incredible debt that God has freed us from through Jesus. That if we're honest with ourselves, there's so much in terms of our own wrongdoings that we could never repay. We could never go back and repay for all the things that we've done. But God made a way. God made a way in his mercy. Again, the God that could do whatever he wanted chose mercy. He chose compassion. He chose love. So who are we now to go into the world when we've been forgiven of a debt so immeasurable that we could never pay it back to not forgive others and give them the opportunity to repay what they have done to us. I think that's, that is the overwhelming message here. That like the unmerciful servant, if we do not allow ourselves to be the ministers of reconciliation that Scripture calls us to be, then we are going to live a life that is unfulfilled. We're going to give, live a life of loss, and ultimately, we allow ourselves to slip into bondage. What is bondage? Bondage is a burden that holds you back. I want you to imagine chains around your wrists, around your ankles. It's hard to move with that. Unforgiveness in our life, family members, friends, people that we love, people that we have poured into. Every single person within the sound of my voice has had people do bad things to them. There's no question. The question is, are you going to carry that around? 
Or are you going to relinquish that? Now, if you want to keep the same standard, if you think that you are under bondage and you are not forgiven, then I can understand it. But my prayer for you today is that you would understand how much God has forgiven you, how much mercy God has given you, and how that the opportunity in front of you today is to live a life that where, where the sins of your past, the sins of your present, not even the sins of your future can hold you back if you're willing to trust God, if you're willing to trust the King of Kings. And when you realize this, and you realize that that kingdom principle, that really nothing is out of your reach because God is loving, and Jesus came that you would have life and have it abundantly, that you could begin to start to say that, hey, even though you've done this to me, you and your transgression toward me will not be a stumbling block to me. And I, in my kingdom authority, am able to forgive. Because you, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) You could. You are in very much the same position as this king. You can go ahead and you could hold people's, uh, you could hold people's transgressions against them forever. But note this about the, about the king, right? Even if he sold this servant and all of his family, the debt still wouldn't be paid. Even if you remain angry at your parents, at your friends, at your spouse, at your ex, at your, I mean, we can name it this, the debt is never going to be repaid. And you are going to carry around the burden of feeling as if you're owed something when God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. The debt's already paid by Jesus. There's nothing that you could ever lose that he can't repay a hundred times, thousand times over. So let's just decide to forgive today. For other people, for ourselves, and for God. That is the kingdom authority that we have. The ability to not only be forgiven, but to forgive. And the ability to forgive makes us like him. It's a miracle. It's a mercy. And the fact that we can extend that mercy makes us like him. So stop walking around in bondage. Stop allowing yourself to slip back into the bondage of unforgiveness. Because by the same measure you give is the same measure you get. And God has forgiven you of so much. He's forgiven me of so much. And I need to be reminded of this as often, (laughs) very often. But I don't want to be bound up by bitterness and anger. It's not enough time. You have a mission here on this earth. And time is too precious for you to spend it angry when God supplied everything that you need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we honor him when we extend that same mercy and compassion to others. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I know we're talking about a tough topic today. I know one of the hardest things for us to do is forgive those who have transgressed against us. But Father, today as we go into our day, help us to really realize 
how much mercy you have extended toward us in our own life. And when we realize that we were able to reconcile ourselves to you through Jesus, help us to also understand that we have the power to extend that reconciliation to others. That we don't have to be bound by the debts of our sin, but we also have the power to free others from the debts of theirs. And in doing so, that we honor you through mercy and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that as we go into this new year that you help us to allow our hearts to be healed. So often we hold on to the hurts and the bitterness and the frustration. And it's as simple as humbling ourselves and saying, I'm not going to let this hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let this person's transgression be a chain around my ankles. And I'm going to be more like you and extend that mercy to others. And in being like you, I can live victoriously and free. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. This is the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% more today. I kept you longer than I normally do, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I love you guys. Keep on studying, and I will see you tomorrow as we start Matthew chapter 19.